0: something else. Um, But just, we look at some different topics. And today, um, as I'm a a new missionary, and I probably need a bit of practice um, for when I start going into churches, um, I'm going to do a bit, some teaching on evangelism. So today is going to be a bit different to the norm. Um, Rather than have a text, and then read from that, and then go through that, we're going to do some evangelism kind of training, and what we're going to do is going to start with stirring us up to and why we need to why we need to evangelize, and um, then we're going to have some we're going to have some clips through the um, through the the, the 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 teaching to break things up a bit so you don't get bored of listening to me um, for the whole sermon so just to break st- things up a bit so that will be sort of in the Probably in the last third of the, um, of the sermon, teaching, training, whatever you want to call it, so cool. that's where we're at today. so sit back, relax, get your heart and your ears on, and be ready to to learn. and as I speak a bit about evangelism and, and how it works and, and all that stuff, all that all that good stuff that we need to, to know. so okay now let's think back to 2020 for a moment these people all have one thing in common here are the names barbara windsor bill withers chadwick bosman diego maradona jack charlton kirk douglas vera lynn sean connery des o'connor and this year The Duke of Edinburgh, DMX, Murray Walker, and Captain Moore. So these all have one thing in common. Um, The first part was from 2020. Um, And you say, well, yeah, they're all stars in their own right. Um, Either film stars or they're singers, actors, um, commentators, rap artists. But what do they all have in common? Well, they all walked off into eternity. They all became part of the ultimate statistic, which is 10 out of 10 people die. There are two things you can't avoid in life. One is death and the other is taxes. And we know that death has always been a a bit of a taboo subject, but not anymore. You see, COVID has opened the door for discussion covid is responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths families torn apart children have lost mothers and fathers and mothers and fathers have lost mothers and fathers thousands of people have been swept into eternity many of us know people that are no longer with us you see, death is no respecter of person. Death does not care about race or color or gender or age. Young and old will pass away. You see, we all have an appointed time. We don't know when that time will come, but what we do know is it will come. You see, the world has been duped into thinking that you can live like the devil. You can indulge in all forms of sinful pleasures and at the end of your life, you just go to a better place. Rest in peace. It's a belief that it doesn't matter what you believe, it doesn't matter who you're trusting in, it doesn't matter what religion you follow, everyone gets laid to rest. Oprah Winfrey said this, now this is a dangerous woman. This is what she said and I quote why is she dangerous because a lot of people follow her a lot of people take up on board what she's saying as truth here's a quote from her there are millions of ways to be a human being and many paths to what you call God she said this well I'm a Christian who believes that there are certainly more paths to God other than Christianity Is that what the Bible teaches? Yeah, it does. Heresy, you say. No, no, hear me out. You can take the Buddhist path. You can take the Hindu or the Sikh path. The Mormon or Jehovah Witness path. You can take the atheistic path. You can even be a Satanist. All roads lead to God. God. For salvation? No. It will be for judgment and condemnation. But all roads do lead to God. The most quoted verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is where we usually stop reading. But let's read on. Verses 17 to 20. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest lest his works should be exposed. Drop down to verse 36 of John 3. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains upon him. Here are some more verses that should awaken us to the plight of the unbeliever. Hebrews 10, verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. 2 Corinthians Five eleven, the first part of that verse. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Revelations chapter 20, verse 12. We're going to look at 12 and 15. And I saw the dead, great and small, stand before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. These verses are sobering. What came to your mind as I read them? Was it there's a great need for the gospel to go out? Sadly, probably not. Listen to this from Penn Gillette of Penn and Teller. He's an American musician, uh, magician and a professed atheist. He said this, and I quote, I don't respect this. Now, this is a, this is a, a professed atheist. Yeah, a professed atheist is saying this. He said this, I, do, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect them at all. If you believe there is a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them this because, you would, because it would make it socially awkward, he says, how much do you have to hate somebody not to evangelize them? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them? Close quote. An atheist, professed atheist. But they need someone to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Romans ten fourteen. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? and how will they and how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching let's pray and continue in our message heavenly father you have to take on board what it is that you would speak to us about today in Jesus name amen now Jesus made the topic of evangelism his last commandment to the disciples. So it must be important, right? Matthew 18, sorry, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, Did Jesus say, go therefore all you extroverts, all you fearless ones, all of you socializers, all you evangelists? No. He said, you will be my witnesses, not evangelists. You see, not everyone is called to be, not every Christian is called to be an evangelist. But we are all called to be a witness. So why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we doing what Jesus called us to do? Here are some of our excuses. It's not my gift. I don't have the right personality. I'm too busy. I'm too shy. I want to, but I feel inadequate. Who doesn't? We're all inadequate. It's that feeling of being too weak we need to remember that our weakness is no hindrance to God the problem is we don't like that we want to go in our own strength that there will be no question raised that we cannot answer we want to have amazing communication skills this was Moses excuse when God called him to go to Pharaoh in the book of Exodus he claimed he wasn't eloquent he claimed that he was slow of speech and of tongue. Maybe he had a st- 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 stutter. God's response, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. That's an encouragement from God, showing us that when we step out in faith, he will give us the words that we need. You see, many of our fears should vanish when we realize that a person's salvation isn't dependent on our performance. God is at work in people's lives, drawing them to himself. Our small conversations may be part of that process. Ultimately, God uses our imperfect efforts Do you know that there's a myth that has emerged? And this is, it is this. In 2016, research showed that Christians were more likely to share their opinion on politics rather than the gospel. Another reason why we don't share our faith is this. We simply don't know how to. You see, we recognize the importance of preparing Christians for sharing their faith. That means equipping you through training and teaching. It means encouraging and preparing you to trust in God as you step out in faith. Ephesians 2.10 We are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So who do you find it most difficult to share your faith with? Family members? Friends? Work colleagues? Complete strangers? How about people of other religions? So where do we start? Well, before we can start sharing the gospel, we need, to under, we need an understanding of what the gospel is. You see, the issue of the gospel the issue of the good news concerning Jesus Christ is very important. As we share what Jesus has done, we need to make sure that we understand the gospel. It's foundational. So even though the gospel has impacted billions of lives, even though the gospel has transformed many lives, yet sadly the gospel is often undefined. The gospel is is often unknown by many Christians and non-Christians alike. If I was to put out a survey, or if a survey went out, asking, what is the gospel? What would you write down? The gospel is love. The gospel is John 3.16. The gospel is wonderful. The gospel is a sinner's prayer. Jehovah Witness said that to me once. I said, what's the gospel, bruv? And he went, the gospel is a sinner's prayer. Okay, cool. The gospel is something everyone needs to hear. Now, these things are some great elements that are included in the gospel, but they don't actually tell us what the gospel is. It's a question we have to ask ourselves, and it's a question we need to be able to answer. So what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, let's go to the Bible and let God's word tell us what the gospel is. Even though the gospel is mentioned many times throughout the scriptures, there is only one place implicitly in the New Testament where the Bible says this is the gospel and then spells it out for us clearly. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. And that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. We begin with the question. Why did Christ die? That's the first point in the gospel. We have all all heard the statement Jesus saves. That's what we want people to hear. But we often forget in our message, what we often forget in our message is why Jesus saves and from what does Jesus save. Verse 3 tells us, Jesus Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. We must declare the need of the Savior. We must explain in our gospel conversations the reason why Jesus had to die. It was because we sinned against God. It was because of sin. We cannot assume for a moment that the person will naturally know that they need a savior. Now, we will continue to unpack the gospel as we continue through this message. Why share the gospel? Romans 1:16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And here's the reason. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You see, because it's the gospel that saves. It's not our apologetics. It's not our clever little arguments. It's the gospel that saves. The gospel changes lives. A brother that most of us know was sleeping in a graveyard. Weighed down with various self-destructive addictions. Someone shared the gospel with him. He is now a living testimony to what God can do in someone's life. He's now reaching out to people who are living in the world that he once lived in. A world of self-destruction. A world without hope. And all he did was share his testimony. His life before Christ and his life's journey in Christ right now. Another guy that, who comes to the food bank was addicted to all kinds of illicit drugs and alcohol. He'd lost all hope. Having suicidal thoughts, he heard the gospel. He's now a completely different man. You see, ultimately... We all have a testimony. They may not be as powerful as the two I've shared. Your testimony, your testimony is an, in, an incredible story of what God has done in your life. So guess what? Tell people. Do you know, people love stories. And people need to be restored. Social media, the TV, has storied these people into a a, 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 an atheistic worldview and we need to restore them you see God chooses to save people through the preaching of the gospel we will not receive rewards for the number of people that got saved through our witness no but our faithfulness to share the gospel we've all been watching the Olympics We've seen people going up to the podium to collect their their bronze medal, their silver medal, their gold medals, crying and in tears. Years and years of training to receive something that's gonna perish. On the day when we are called home, are you gonna be on that podium? Are you gonna be on the podium? Or are you going to be sitting in the crowd watching? I think Ephraim once described it and it made me laugh. Or will you be one of those people that gets into heaven with flames on your coattails? Like, whew, wow, made it. Dust off the flames. Smoke. Just made it. Or will you be on the podium getting your rewards for your faithful service in the gospel? There are many different methods of sharing your faith. Before I share one approach to sharing the gospel and this approach I love <laughs> I've been doing it using it for years and it and you know yeah Boom. we need a method for starting a conversation with someone we don't know. well here's one. you can use a gospel track. I don't know if you can see that looks like a 10-pound note, right? Well, it's meant to be a million pound note and that's Charles Spurgeon on there who I will quote later. And um, these are great because it looks like a 10 pound note on the front and then on the back, it has a gospel presentation. People lap these up. You go into a mall like Croydon and stand on the top where all the shops are and get a whole pile of them and throw them down and watch people. I haven't tried it. I've seen it done on the way of the master video. People would go mad for them, And, um, yeah, so I used to use these a lot. But now we have our own Ecclesia design um, that we use um, because it has the church details. Anyway, uh, I I digress. So, what does a gospel tract do? A gospel tract acts as a hinge to open the door for conversation. Now, you can use it like this. Did you get your million? Or did you get one of these? Or can I give you one of these? Person will say, What is it? It's a gospel track. What's your name? John. Ah, oh, I'm Mikey. Good to meet you. And then just start talking. Talk about football, talk about the weather. Part way through the conversation, we're gonna switch. We're going to see if there's, a, if there's an opportunity. There may not be one, but we're going to see if there's one. You can gently say, John, can I ask you an interesting question? A lot of people have died recently of COVID. Do you think there's an afterlife? Or what do you think happens to people when they die? Or what do you think is the, the best or the worst way to die? Remember, We're not getting into this conversation to argue with someone about their views. You're looking for an opportunity to share your faith. We're looking for an opportunity to share your faith. There may not be an opportunity. If there isn't, don't try and push it. Get all weird on the person. Just, cool. I don't believe in that stuff. Leave me alone. Cool. Have a nice day. See you later. Okay, anyway. Using one of these simple form methods, you've created a really comfortable setting to do just that, for openly sharing your faith, if the person's willing. You see, you haven't you haven't yet mentioned God, the Bible, Jesus, heaven, hell, judgment day, all the things that are going to make that person feel uncomfortable. All you've done is ask for their opinion. Now, most people will say, "I don't really know," you know. And I would say, do you ever think about it? Yeah. You see, one of the most common anxieties is the fear of death, which has been heightened recently because of COVID. Then you can gently say, John, do you think you're a good person? Do you think you're going to make it to heaven? Or how good does someone need to be to make it to heaven? You will then go on to present the gospel message, and that's what we're going to talk about now. The greatest and best role model for us is Jesus himself. So let's take a look into the scriptures to see how Jesus shared the gospel with the story of the rich young ruler. In Luke 18, we're going to be looking at verses 18 to 27. Luke 18, 18 to 27. And the ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He said, You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. And honor your mother and father. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And come, follow me. But it says, when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich multi-billionaire, you know. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier, well, i got to start there. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What does Jesus seek to do with this rich young ruler? Did Jesus say, eternal life, quickly, say this prayer before you change your mind. Notice, the rich young ruler refers to him as good teacher. What was Jesus' response? Repent, fool! No, he didn't say that. He said, why do you call me good? Now, this can be confusing, because Jesus is God, God is good, so why does Jesus say, why do you call me good? Jesus is correcting this man's understanding of what good is. He's saying, If you're coming to me with the mindset that I am just a man, just a teacher, which you obviously do, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You see, he has a faulty understanding of what good is. In society these days, the word good has become very relative. It's banded around. Most people you speak to will claim to be a good person. And that's in line with the Scriptures. Proverbs 20, a Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. Proverbs 16, 2a. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Bible tells us, by God's standard, no one is good. So we're going to watch the first of our video clips. Here's a clip showing some people that we ask that very question to, are you a good person? So how good does someone have to be to get to heaven?
1: Um, it has, they just need to have a good heart, and they have to have a good reason to do it.
0: That's, that's all, yeah? Yeah. So are you a good person?
1: I always try to do my best, so I, I guess I consider myself good
0: so you told me you was a good person, my friend. Who said I'm not? You told me, me who you said okay. I'm not. Okay, let, let's. You find them and tell see, me. See how, and then we'll come back and talk. Let's see how good you are, my friend. If heaven is a real place, are you guys good enough to get there? Are you good people?
1: I think I am.
0: What about you, sir? Definitely.
1: I okay. think that you don't have to go to the church to prove you're a good person. No, you don't.
0: If heaven is a real place, are you good enough to get there? Are you a good person? Yeah. 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 Spot on. Yes. Yeah? Would you consider yourself to be a good person? Yes. If heaven is a real place, are you guys good enough to get there? Are you good people?
1: We're good people, we're all good people, but we've done bad things.
0: Um, so would you consider yourself to be a good person? Uh, yes, reason absolutely, absolutely. I live my life by
1: a set of moral values that okay. I hope I never break. And if I do, then it'd be a
0: bad situation. How many, how many lies have you told in your life, mate? A lot. a lot. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? Me? Yeah. Well look at me, I'm a beautiful person. Uh, not a good person. Yeah, good, you're, you're beautiful, you're good beautiful. looking, but are you a good person? Trust me, I'm All the, right. the dud. I'm the I know for a
1: fact, when I look myself in the mirror every day, what looks back at me is a decent person. Decent.
0: You are a decent person, but do you know God's standards? See, what we do, we compare ourselves to man standards. By man's standards, Mish you are one of the best people oh, that I, I could ever meet in my oh, life. I am. You will okay. not meet a more morally yes. strong right. person. Yes. As soon as yes. I see someone else, that is as yes. strong, I'm dead Come off, come off, God. God, come off me, come, come, come off, yeah, yeah. But listen. That's yeah. man's standards, yeah? Yeah. But listen, in God's absolute. standards are perfection yeah, but, but, in full one yeah, day, none of thing us are perfect. I
1: don't live to God's no, perfection, no, I live to my standards. And my standards are that I doing, know for a fact no, that when sorry, I look myself in the mirror and I'm doing my hair, do what looks back at me yeah, every day Jesse, Jesse. is good.
0: I remember them days, they bring back so many memories of Brixton, Leicester Square. Yeah, great days. Um, So yeah, good person. The evidence is there. Um, So once Jesus has corrected this man's understanding of what good is, what does he do? He introduces him to the Ten Commandments. The commandments are God's law. Jesus says to him, you know the commandment. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honour your mother and father. Why does Jesus take this man through the commandments? He didn't just offer relief for the, for the rich young ruler's heartfelt needs. Instead, he gave an answer devised to challenge his sin and his need for forgiveness. It was imperative that he perceived his sinfulness. Like Jesus, we must take the unbeliever and measure them against the perfect law of God so that they can see their deficiency. We need to arouse the conscience. We need to talk about sin. We need to talk about sin. So what is the function of God's law? What help does it offer as we engage with people? Well, it brings conviction in the person's heart. By God's law comes a knowledge of sin. Romans 3, 19 to 20. Now we know that whatever the the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped. Through the law comes a knowledge of sin. You see, it brings an awareness in that person that they have sinned against the God who gave them life. Romans 2 15 i've got on here 15 16 but it's actually just romans 2 romans 2 15 they show the work of the law written on their heart, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting faults accuse or excu- or even excuse them so let's let the law so sorry the law shows us that we are all sinners in desperate need of christ's cleansing so let's see that played out as we put that into practice on the streets with the second video. We're going to put you on the judgment seat for a while. Do it. We're going to judge you by God's standards. Okay. And we're going to see how, good, how, how you fare up. Yeah? Can I do that? Okay. Yeah. Do you believe you kept the Ten Commandments?
1: Yeah, Lee. No, no okay. some Yeah, yeah. Mostly, okay. most of them. Okay.
0: Now, one of the commandments says, "Thou shalt not lie." Have you ever lied before? Yes. Have you? Have you lied before,
1: sir? Um, I've had. I have lied before.
0: You've been speaking to your intellect for a long time, yeah. Can we address your conscience for a moment? My conscience. Yeah. yeah. Would you consider yourself to be a good person?
1: It's a tough one. That I've. I do. I'm, I. I try, but I'm a, I'm a person that has done bad things. So
0: I'm not how, how, how many lies have you told in your life, Miles? A lot of lies. What do you call people that tell lies, Miles? Liars. How many lies have you told in your life, my friend? I don't lie. Never lied before? No, that was a lie right then. Have you ever lied? <laughs> okay, man. It's have you ever stolen like, anything? Like, um, The value doesn't matter.
1: I stole some sweets once from a shop. I stole a pack of Haribo. A
0: pack of Haribo, uh, yeah! I stole
1: a pack of Haribo! But I don't think they missed it too much, okay. but nothing, nothing what worse you, than what that. What do
0: you call people that steal things then? Well, they're thieves,
1: aren't
0: thieves are not they have you ever taken God's name in vain? Oh my God, G O D sake! All the time, mate. Yeah, the God that you don't believe in. Yeah, yeah? Yeah, yeah, cool. Now listen to this, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> listen to this,
1: Miles. Okay, here we go. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Oh my God, G O D sake. I try not yeah, to. I try not. to. But you've done it, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I've done it. Okay, that's uh, called blasphemy. The Bible says He will not hold them guiltless to take His name in vain. Jesus says if you look to lust after someone, you commit adultery in your heart. Have you ever looked at someone of the opposite
1: All the time, today, earlier. Okay. I, I don't...
0: Now, this one's gonna mess you up, yeah? Jesus says, if you look to lust after someone, you commit adultery in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman that you're not married to with sexual desire? No. You need to think about it? No. You've never looked at a woman with sexual desire? No. Have you ever looked at anyone with sexual desire? Yes. Okay. Have you ever taken anything that doesn't belong to you in the whole of your life? The value doesn't matter. Uh,
1: For my brother, maybe, yeah, I
0: guess. What do you call people that take things that don't belong to them? Thieves. So listen, uh, Rochelle, by your own admission, my friend, um, I'm not judging you, I'll just ask the questions, by your own admission, um, God sees you as a liar, a thief, a blasphemer, and adulterer and heart. So, yeah. Um, Putting into practice what i'm talking about and how it pans out as you're sharing with people um yeah so hopefully that's that's helpful um it's not as scary as it looks and people take it light-heartedly you know you saw that with people smiling and laughing you didn't see on there anyone that was going you know mate mate <laughs> you're probably saying, yeah yeah you got them stashed. you ain't gonna play them on the video um but yeah we, maybe we'll make a When Things Go Wrong video um, one day. So, what is sin and why is it so sinful? Sin is a violation of God's character. Ephesians 1.5 tells us that we should be imitators of God. We are made in God's moral image. Every single one of us fails to live up to the character of God and that puts us in debt to a holy God. What was the rich young ruler's response? All these things I've kept from my youth. You can just picture this guy being smug and self righteous as he answered Jesus. Like a, a Gordon Gecko kind of kind of dude. Um, he was rich, he was young, and he ruled over people. But guess what? He was self deluded. He tries to justify himself. And that's what most of us will do when we're confronted with our sinful nature. So let's see that played out on the street in our third video. It's a video about people trying to justify themselves. (coughs) Yeah, it's it's us, it's me. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah. On the Day of Judgment, would you be innocent or guilty? (laughs) I'd
1: be innocent because I've done a lot, you're just picking up on the bad things, you're not asking about the good things that I do, like giving money to charity and helping people in like third world countries, you just ask for like the negative things, Okay. but I think I'd be on the good books. Regardless of your beliefs, I'd like to think you'd look at me and think, whatever you're doing, you're doing it for a good reason and you're a good human being and that's about as much as I've got to say not good. Right? I would fail to see it at anybody you could say anything other than the fact that I've been a nice guy and I've not done wrong. And if somebody was to say that as a result of what I have done or haven't done, if it came down to pros and cons, now I've done a hell of a lot more pros than I have done cons. And whether I have blasphemed, whether I have looked at women who I'm not married to and thought, mm, yeah, I would, I would challenge anybody to say that I have done more bad than good and if I've done more good than bad then if that is what happened and if somebody was judging me then I would challenge them to say that I have had a more I challenge to say that my impact on the people around me my friends my family was more negative than positive okay and that's all that matters as far as I'm concerned let me run have I made people happy or have I made people sad
0: yeah. So just a clip of um, what you might come up against. Um, people will try to justify themselves, um, and that's okay. We're not going to beat them up, but we're just going to point them. Um, so Luke fifteen, sorry Luke sixteen fifteen, and he said to them, "This is Jesus. You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. For what is what is exalted among men." is an abomination in the sight of God. Jesus could see right through this rich young ruler. Jesus said to him in verse 22, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have, distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. In using the commandments, Jesus exposes him. This man's ultimate God was his wealth, his money. That's who his God is. Jesus used the law as a mirror to show him his sin. And that's what we must do. We need to make sin personal. A quote from Charles Spurgeon, the guy on the million pound note. Prince of Preachers. He said, If you fail to use the law in evangelism, you will fill the church with false converts. Now, let's look at Matthew 13, because this issue of understanding is pivotal. It's Jesus' explanation of the parable of the sower. And we're going to look at Matthew 13, verses 18 to 23. Matthew 13... 18 to 23. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes comes and snatches away what, what has, has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately, receives it with joy yet he has no root in himself but only endures for a while and when tribulation or persecution arise on the account of the word immediately he falls away As verse 22 as for what was sown among the thorns this is the one who hears the word but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes, and it proves unfruitful Verse 23, as for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears, f- bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60 and another 30. The Bible tells us that we can know a believer by their fruit. Notice that those who bear good fruit are those that understand Those that don't understand, the evil one comes along and snatches away what has been sown in their hearts. He has a hard heart and he does not understand. There are those as well who hear the word and receive it with joy, but they only endure for a while. Now why is that? One of the reasons is because they haven't heard the gospel in such a way that they understand it fully. They are the product of a man-centered gospel, the abundant life gospel, the your best life now gospel. You see, what doctor would offer someone the cure if they haven't first convinced them of their disease? They must have knowledge of the disease before they will accept the cure. The disease is sin, which leads to death. And the cure is the gospel, the good news, which leads to life. That's why it's so important that we don't preach a third or a two-third gospel. We don't leave out those hard bits. We have to make sure that we have the right message. If we have a watered-down gospel, it's going to lose its curative properties. We must preach the whole gospel so that the person doesn't come to to Jesus for those treats. For those promises that have been set. I think Andrew mentioned the the, the genie Jesus. You rub the lamp, comes down and and, and gives you whatever you want. That Jesus who, who will give you love, joy, peace, fulfillment and everlasting happiness. Something like this. You will never find true happiness until you come to the Lord. God will heal your marriage and take away your addiction problem. He'll get you out of financial difficulty and be your best friend. Now, can God do those things? Absolutely. But we can't use them as a draw card. Like that get out of jail free card we use in Monopoly. You take it, you store it, when you go around the board, you get fling in jail, you pull out the card and you use it. And it gets you out of jail. Now what if that person is doing fine? They're healthy, they're financially okay, they're living the dream. They'll say, you know what, I'm doing fine. You might need a crutch to get through life, but I don't need gold. I'm cool. Do you think that the rich man in the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16 wanted Lazarus to tell his five brothers that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? See, we want them to come to the cross because they have seen their sin and by God's loving kindness, they, draw, they are drawn to Repentance. We must take our time in the gospel message to bring understanding to people. We need to soberly ask the person if they see their sin in the light of who they've sinned against. Do you understand that you deserve condemnation, that you sit underneath the wrath of God? You see, people don't understand that. They say, how can a finite sin, a measly little sin like lying, demand eternity in hell. It's because of how good God is. Let me explain. Now, I'm not going to do this. It's just an analogy. Yeah? I want you to all get that, especially like my family that's listening, my sister listening in America. I don't do this. But, here, if I go home from today's teaching and I take a swing at Denise and I miss... Now she's gonna get mad, which is expected. I'm not gonna do that, remember, right? She may call the police. Now, the police turn up, ring on the doorbell, I open the door and I take her swing at the police officer and I miss. It's a bit more serious. I'll probably get arrested. So I end up in call, I'm sitting in the dock, I jump out. And I take a swing at the judge. And I miss. The stakes are higher. Might end up in jail. So I come out of jail. And I go touring around Buckingham Palace. And I spot the Queen. Walking the corgis. And I run up to the Queen. And I go to take a swing at the Queen. What's going to happen? I'm probably going to lose my life. And guess what? I've committed exactly the same crime. So why is the penalty so severe because of how great the person is that I've sinned against. That's why a finite sin deserves eternity in hell. It's not the severity of our sin, it's how great the one is that I've sinned against. Hebrews 9:27. Big evangelism verse. That it's appointed a man once to die and after this a judgment. Corinthians 1, 6, 9 to 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality nor thieves nor the greedy nor drunkards nor revelers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of god so let's be careful to lay out what sin is let's be very careful to help the unbeliever understand what god has done to save them that he sits that he is set apart from the grace of god we must show the unbeliever that god in god's eyes he is a criminal. The Ten Commandments are called God's moral law. And that you and I have broken the law, but Jesus has paid the fine. That's what happened on the cross. If you're in court and someone pays your fine, the judge can let you go even though you're guilty. He can do what is, what is legal, right, and just. Even though we are sinners... And I'm no better than you. Remember that. We are no better than anyone. Even though we've got a multitude of sins against us and we deserve judgment and hell, God is also rich in mercy and paid the fine on the cross. It means that God can legally dismiss your case. He can forgive your sins and grant you eternal life as a free gift. You can keep your precious life. And then he rose again from the dead on the third day, defeating death. That's what the Bible teaches. We talk about repentance, turning from sin. We talk about faith in Christ, surrendering your life to him. 2 Corinthians 7.10 For godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret whereas worldly sorrow produces death you see worldly sorry worldly sorrow is sorry I got caught but godly sorrow is when you've sinned against God and you're broken inside you go into your room you close the door you get down on your knees and you pray and ask for forgiveness and nobody has to know what that sin is that you have committed That's godly sorrow. You see, we will trust in God when we turn from trusting in ourselves. Repentance is turning from yourself and turning to God. Trust in Christ. Repentance is to change the way you think about your sin. It comes from the Greek word metanoia. If you do that, God will remove your death sentence. He will forgive all your sins, even those secret ones. And he will grant you eternal life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 10.9 that god raised him from the dead you will be saved you see only god knows if you truly made this commitment because god alone is the one who makes such a commitment possible we are now going to watch a short but complete gospel presentation watch carly's face as the law brings conviction of sin now this was when I first become a Christian and started going to Leicester Square. So my voice is not soberly as it should be. I recognize that. My voice is a bit kind of like And it's not, it's not humble enough. But that's been rectified in my gospel sharing. So I was enthusiastic then, you know what I mean? So don't watch me, just watch the girls, yeah? Okay, okay. What's your names? Jasmine. And Carly. and Carly, so you're spiritual people, yeah? yeah? Okay. Now here's a spiritual question, yeah? Bit scary, but spiritual. Yeah. When you walk out of this life, yeah. okay, are you good enough to get to heaven? I are believe, you good people? I
1: believe that you, uh, believe how you are on earth, yeah. On what you do. Okay. If you're good, you're heaven. If not, I think life I, I think some of will get trapped in the actual yeah, I think some people are trapped on earth, some people go like to heaven, some
0: people go like to hell. I think life is a test. Okay, if hell is a real place, would you want to know how to avoid it? I
1: know how to not avoid it. To stay out of trouble,
0: okay. to be
1: good, okay.
0: So, are you a good person?
1: I would class myself, yes.
0: Okay, you're a really good person, yeah? yeah. How about you, are you a good person?
1: I can be a good Okay.
0: Person. Now, God's given us a standard by which he's going to judge us by. It's called the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Do you believe you kept the Ten Commandments? I
1: believe I broke some of them, but okay. I also believe that he can forgive. Okay. Um, okay. That's when you go to church and give your
0: sins. Have you ever told a lie before, madam? Yes, I have. What, would that, what about you? What would that make you?
1: A sinner. A sinner.
0: bit more specific. No, a bit more specific.
1: I'd say I'm breaking the
0: testaments. Um, begins with L, rhymes with fire. All right, there you go. Have you ever taken something that doesn't belong to you in the whole of your life? Yes. The value doesn't matter. Yes. What would that make you? Now, this is going to get you, yeah? yeah? Jesus says if you look to lust after someone that's not your husband, you commit adultery in your heart. Have you ever looked at a, a, a member of the opposite sex with sexual but, desires?
1: Lusting, lusting.
0: Lust yes. uh, uh, any anyone?
1: No, Anyone
0: that's not your husband?
1: We don't have husbands.
0: Huh? We don't have husbands. So... No. Okay, so. Unless you're married to a person you can lust after you like I can lust after my wife yeah. But outside of that I can't look to lust after anyone Okay, okay no. once
1: you're married you are committed to that person. Okay,
0: but have you ever looked at a boy with sexual desire? Yes. Okay, now have you ever taken God's name in, <laughs> in vain? Yes.
1: I have. Yeah, yes.
0: okay now listen to this girls You're not good people you like me and like him and like the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. by your own admissions. Yeah, you're liars thieves blasphemers and adulterers at heart now the bible says appointed man mankind wants to die after this judgment when you die you've got to stand before god in judgment if god was to judge you by that standard on the day of judgment would you girls be innocent or guilty if he had to send you to one or two places would he let you into his heaven or would he have to send you to hell if you're guilty now does that concern you that if you die today you'd end up in hell Okay. Do you know what God did for you so you wouldn't have to go to hell? He,
1: everyone.
0: he doesn't forgive everyone, because then uh, murderers—do you think no, murderers no. should go to no, heaven? No, no they
1: go to hell.
0: How about child molesters? They go to hell. Okay. What about thieves and liars?
1: We're into the Check this.
0: The Bible says that all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. No thief, no murderer, no adulterer can enter the kingdom of heaven. So if you guys die today, you'd end up in hell, yeah? Do you know what God did for you so that you wouldn't have to go to hell? This is the gospel, yeah? In God's eyes, you and I were criminals. We violated God's law. Okay? 2,000 years ago, God became a man. He filled a man like a hand fills a glove. On that cross, he took the punishment for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the world. What that means, ladies, is God can legally dismiss your case. You can walk out of God's courtroom on the day of judgment, not because of anything you can do by being good, cleaning up your act, stop doing what you're doing, which is wrong but because of the suffering, death and resurrection of Jesus. But there's two things you have to do to be saved. The first thing is you have to repent and the second thing is you have to put your faith and trust in Jesus like you would in a parachute to save you. The Bible says the minute you do that, God will forgive every sin you've ever committed. He will commute your death sentence and he will grant you eternal life in heaven. Now if you girls die today, you've got God's word that you would end up in hell. God doesn't want that to happen to you. Do you remember what the two things you have to do to be saved are? Repent. Turn from your sin. This is scary. And put your faith and trust in Jesus. Oh, now? Yeah? Yeah, yeah? When are you girls going to do that? Now. You want to do that now? Yeah. If I stop recording do you want to pray to receive Jesus? Yes. Okay. Thank you very much.
1: Thank
0: you. Okay. Carly was the one on the right. Um, I know it's not a very good um, image because it was an old camera that I used, but um, you get the point. Um, So, just in closing, one of the great expressions of love should be to tell people about the one who is the very center, foundation, and goal of your life, and that is Jesus Christ. How can we possibly remain silent? and keep this glorious news to ourselves. Let's pray.
1: Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.